0: Welcome to the Creative Careers in Medicine podcast with your host, Dr. Dana Pan, and myself, Dr. Elise Hutt. Join us as we talk to inspiring clinicians who have redefined their careers.
1: Hello, and we are recording a very special episode for Creative Careers in Medicine podcast. We have today Dr. Amandeep Hansra and Dr. Elise Putt with me, Dr. Dana Pang. Hello, everyone. Hi, Dana. Nice to be here tonight. Hey, all. Nice to be here. So we're going to kick things off with discussing the history of creative careers in medicine. So, Amandeep, I'm sure you have talked about this baby of yours many, many times over many different podcasts and presentations, but can you please... Take us through it. How did you even come up with this idea? It is an amazing idea. I think everyone who has stumbled upon CCIM has gone, oh my God, why hasn't anyone invented this sooner? How did you come up with it?
2: Yeah, great question. And when you tell your story so many times, you think everyone's heard it. We've had so many new members join the group. We've recently hit 20,000, which is incredible. I just could have never imagined Um, back uh, years ago when I first thought about creating a community that I would ever be sitting here celebrating 20,000 members. So that is very exciting and something definitely to celebrate and so grateful for everybody that's helped us get to where we are. But if I think back to why I first started it, it really was a kind of selfish reason. It was about trying to find my own tribe. And I felt a little bit alone, a little bit lost in kind of the career choices that I had made and thought that I was the one and only person in medicine that wasn't following a traditional path but I did stumble across some other people in my role particularly when I was at Telstra Health and I was starting to work with a lot of people in the digital health space and I realized that there were doctors popping up everywhere who were not working in hospitals and clinics who were sitting alongside working in companies that were interacting with me at, at Telstra Health and The goal really was to create a community of those doctors so that we all felt like we belonged somewhere. But obviously, Creative Careers in Medicine has become much broader than that. So we started off with that small group. We decided to hold an event, which was supposed to be a small event in a very small room that we hired. And we just did not expect 400 people to RSVP to our first ever conference. And that was when I thought, oh, I'm onto something and I probably need to hire a bigger room and make this a bit more of a professional gig. And so we did that. And that was the first of the CCIM conferences. And we actually didn't go online until after that conference. So CCIM actually started as a conference, bringing some people together. And then we went online because at the end of that day, everybody said, wow, these people, Like, how do I stay in touch with them? Because I don't get to interact with them in my everyday life. And I want to keep this tribe and this community because it was filling a very different gap compared to say, you know, a college or a peak body that we're all members of or may not be members of. So it was really creating this opportunity for people to have those connections with other like-minded clinicians. So that's really how we started. And then it just grew and grew from there and more events all over the country. And we weathered the storm at COVID, went online. And have offered so many services over that period, whether it's been online events, whether it's been courses, you know, upskilling, helping people get health informatic course certification. We've helped people find jobs. We've connected people to mentors. We've been so many events presenting, helping medical students. So the journey has just been incredible. And one of the most special things that we've done is created, obviously, the podcast, which I'm... Very excited that both of you are here helping resurrect it, something we started back in 2019 and now have come full circle to having new people who are members of the CCIM community running it, which are both of you. So very excited that we've been able to come back and have some wonderful guests on this time around. But I'm curious as to, you know, I don't remember when you joined, Dana, actually. I'm trying to think back. It would have been a few years ago because I remember you coming out with your podcast, so, do you remember when you joined and why? Yes. I
1: absolutely remember this. I firstly want to congratulate you, Amandeep, on such an amazing achievement and creating such a wonderful community. I think it has been really inspiring for a lot of junior doctors and I can say this because I was there at your very first event in 2017 and it was at your event that I birthed the idea of Junior Doctors Corner podcast so it is incredible like what your event has done for me and I guess my non-clinical career so I wanted to thank you but yeah mostly I joined Creative Careers in Medicine because I was just feeling like I was so burnt out from hospital clinical work and, you know, it was nice to see that other doctors were able to do a lot of amazing things with their lives outside of clinical medicine. So it really it reinvigorated me. So that's the reason why I joined. That's great. Elise, why did you join? You're a bit more of a newer member, but I'm always curious
2: to
0: hear people's stories of how they found us and why they came to join the tribe. I think I was actually just a silent member. I think I joined in my intern year, which was 2018, but I've never been one to be particularly vocal in Facebook groups or anything, which is a big change to now posting in the Creative Crews page and being on a podcast. I have thought since med school and more and more through internship that I didn't see myself doing full-time clinical medicine. So I think it was maybe an event that you had in early 2018 that I kept seeing people post on Instagram that made me join their Facebook page. And then I've slowly lurked on there for years and never posted anything, maybe occasionally liked something. So you post a job opportunity, which is actually a different job opportunity, and reached out, and here we are. Wow. that's It's so cool to hear your stories and to think,
2: you know, how many other things have been created out of the community where people were given permission or validation around having these ideas to go and build a podcast or become a social media influencer or go and write that book or take that weird creative job that they wouldn't normally have done. And I only hear a few of the stories. I can only imagine how many more there are out there of little seeds that we've sprouted all over the medical community. So it's been very exciting to be on that journey and I just love seeing it grow. But I really want to talk to you guys who've been interviewing some of our podcast guests over the last few months. And I know, Dana, you've done a lot of podcast interviewing originally, and at least this is all new for you, so you've got different experiences. But maybe, Dana, tell us a little bit about some of the guests that you've had so far and some of the messages that you're seeing coming through, what sort of stood out for you.
1: Yeah, I was very lucky to be allocated to the really amazing Dr. Sarah Rav and her talking about her journey of juggling medical school and being a social media influencer that also helps a lot of other people get into medical school and study really well and do well and <laughs> just in general I'd, if there was such thing as someone who is constantly good at juggling that work-life balance. It's probably her. <laughs> and I just thought it was really inspiring how it came from a place where she just really genuinely wants to help other people and, and spread really positive messages. And then I also had the privilege of talking to Prof. Nicholas Tally, And I was awestruck, really, because everyone knows the textbook, Tally and O'Connor and to speak to one of the authors, like the ultimate sort of clinical textbook and medical school that everyone knows about. It was so interesting to speak with him. He's such a humble man for someone who is so accomplished. And what I really learned from these guests is that it's really – very much worth giving it a go, even if you're not sure, like trying new things. Like with the way Prof. Talley went about writing his book, he actually didn't even know if it was going to be successful and sell thousands of copies. He just went, Oh, I have all these notes, you know, from when I was studying my exams. Why don't I put it together and someone might find it helpful? He just gave it a crack. And so Sarah, she didn't start with the intention of having millions of followers. She just started with the intention of helping others. So it's also cool that both doctors have managed to juggle clinical and non-clinical work. I think that it just reaffirms that we all don't have to follow that traditional conventional path of only doing Clinical medicine, we are allowed to sort of branch off and explore new things, but also we can do it alongside. It doesn't mean that we have to completely ditch clinical medicine. We can experiment with things, go back and forth between the two, or do both at the same time. So that's what I learned.
2: That's great insights. And I think what's also interesting is how diverse those speakers that you've spoken about are compared to each other. And that's the great thing about creative careers in medicine is that there's no two alike stories. They're all so unique in their own way. And I also think I love that message of that you can do both clinical and non-clinical. And that's been my whole career has been mixing the two. And I think that's what I found has kept me interested and excited about everything that I do is I never get sick of it. I never feel burnt out because I get that nice variety. And it's great that other people are starting to see that building that sort of portfolio career or being able to have that mix in what you do every week is actually a way to stay in, the, remain in the workforce over a long period of time. And we've had some great examples of that of guests already. Elise, I'm curious about your experience being, I guess, slightly earlier in your career journey and also being new to podcasting, but what sort of lessons
0: have come through from the people that
2: you've spoken to and what sort of stood out?
0: I think I have to mirror a lot of what Dana said in that it's a lot about following your passions and your interests. And what has really struck me as a common theme amongst all the people that I've spoken to, and maybe this is half because they're speaking with hindsight, they didn't seem to think of what they were giving up. I think there's a lot of fear in medical people of what you're giving up, what you're giving away, like the sunk cost. But from the way they tell their stories with hindsight, it was sounded more like, oh, this sounded really exciting. So I went and did that. And then I went and did this. And then I got this exciting thing. So I went and did that rather than thinking five years ahead. And where do I want to be when I'm 35? What does that look like? What do I do now to get there? And the other thing that actually I found really interesting was from my discussion with Josh Case, he basically just said, if you want to do something different to medicine, you have to stop thinking about it in the same way that you think about medicine. So he's gone and built a tech company and learned all these great tech skills from just going and doing it. And I said to him, what courses did you do to get there? And he said, you don't have to do courses. That's just what medicine teaches you. You go do courses if you want to get better at something. And I've heard that story again and again of people who aren't sure what they want to do after they're deciding, they're trying to step away from medicine. So they're like, okay, how do I study law? How do I study business? How do I study this rather than just going and doing it?
2: Yeah, I used to get that all the time. At least that's really fascinating because people would, I'd tell them that I was a CEO of a company at one point and they'd be like, oh, what course did you do to be a CEO? And I'm like, there is no CEO course. I just got thrown in the deep end and it was, you learn on the job. And what's really fascinating about the world outside of medicine is that your experience and what you've actually done and delivered and day-to-day like skills that you've um, accomplished is much more valuable than letters after your name. So my sort of non-medical friends always find it strange that I've got all these letters after my They're like, what does that mean? Why do people have all of those? And yeah, it is weird. And the terms like fellowship don't mean anything in a lot of other sectors outside of medicine and even in some of those areas where you're starting to cross over into non-clinical roles. There isn't really a differentiation in some of those roles between someone who's got a fellowship and not. They just go, have you had experience doing this? How much have you achieved? And that's why I tell people when they're looking for jobs outside of traditional medical roles, that they have to understand that those employers look at things in a different light and exactly how Josh said, it's about just going out there and doing it and not waiting for your certificate that says you're competent because I think that's something that we actually traps us in medicine and we actually create problems for ourselves because we keep waiting for that qualification before we step out and do something different rather than just going out and doing it.
1: I think doctors are quite a risk-averse bunch in general and I think that having access to creative careers in medicine community is wonderful because it is a lot harder to be what you can't see. And in CCIM, you know, community, you can see all these examples. And I think it gives people a lot more courage to try.
2: Yeah. And I found there's been little micro communities that have been created out of it as well. Like all the doctors who do coaching are now hanging out. And I didn't even know coaching was a thing. And I didn't know that doctors did coaching. I'm like, wow, that's a career option. And there are some doctors in the group whose whole careers are centered around coaching. And you start to realize that there are all these different options and I've seen the number of books I've seen published the number of podcasts and, you know, that's all stuff that if you weren't exposed to, you wouldn't imagine that there are communities of clinical people actually doing these kind of alternative and whether it's a hobby or whether it's an actual job, it's still great to be exposed to those
0: options. That's what, before I was involved in the podcast, that's what I found the podcast so great for was showcasing people because- The page has that definitely in the Facebook community, but to go to somewhere just looking for that inspiration of all these amazing different things that people can do, the podcast was that for me. Yeah. And
2: it's been great how you've embraced that and actually learned a whole new skill, Elise. And i kind of watched you grab that opportunity and say, look, I'm going to put myself out there. And I was thinking putting yourself out into a group of 20,000 people, first time you're podcasting is probably the bravest way that you can do this. But I'm just curious, like what have you found interesting about podcasting? What have you sort of liked about it? What are some of the challenges that you've discovered along your
0: journey? Oh, there's been a lot of challenges, mostly in my head though, I think, than actual physical challenges. As I said, I'm not a big public speaker. I'm not super scared of public speaking, but I'm not the person to normally post in a big Facebook group or speak in a large group. Just the idea of me being out there and me stumbling over my words and struggling to listen to the sound of my own voice while everyone else is also listening along at home to that, or someone's playing the podcast in front of me so I can hear someone else listening to me. I found that all a bit of a nerve-wracking process. But Overall, it's been pretty incredible. So we have Pete and the rest of his team from the wonderful Talking Health Tech behind us, which has just made this so easy. I think initially when I started to think about how I was going to do this, I didn't know much about podcasting. I'd listened to a lot of podcasts, but I talked to Dana about it because she was quite experienced, talked to Pete about it and played around a bit and didn't feel ready By the time I started, I just had to go for it because there's only so much readiness you can really actually achieve from fake calling your friends and family. Then I recorded and thought, oh, I didn't do that well. I didn't feel that good about how I went, felt like I stumbled my words, had to restart the recording, sent it off to Pete, and he sent back this beautiful polished piece with an intro and editing out all of my stuff up's. And that just made it so much more rewarding hearing that I was suddenly motivated to do more where prior to hearing it, I was thinking, okay, maybe this isn't my calling. I've given it a go. I'll keep trying. But if it's not my calling, it's not my calling. That's okay. So wait, at least you didn't get a certificate or a qualification in
2: podcasting before you did it. <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> Hang I on a minute. <laughs> what are you, you doing? You technically can,
1: but oh. I didn't. I did yeah. everything. from So, you know, well done for giving it a go. But the advantage I did have was that, I knew that there wouldn't be a lot of people listening at the beginning. So I was like, worst comes to worst, a couple of my friends will listen and that will be the end of it. But, you know, well done. Like, it's not easy. Like, I hated the sound of my voice when I first started
0: as well. And now I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's just my voice. That's the scary bit, though, is your friends listening. It's not the random strangers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I have to say that listening
2: to your voice, it took me a long time to listen back. I mean, I wasn't interviewing people as much as I was was being interviewed but even the first few times I just could not listen to it I was like oh yuck! I hate listening to the sound of my voice but it's something over time and I actually found that the more you listen to yourself the better and I'm sure this goes for when you're interviewing as well the more that you can improve because you pick up on things that you do, like the number of ums I would say when I first started speaking and I was was like, I need to get the ums out. So there is some benefits, I think, in listening to yourself as cringeworthy as it is having to hear your own voice. But I think it's part of the process of becoming an experienced podcaster. But yeah, I was just curious, Dana, what are some of the stuff that you love about podcasting and some of the things that you're like, oh,
1: I could leave that, not really interested in that? Um, Right from the beginning for me, it has always been listening to other people's stories and finding out more. And that's the wonderful thing about these sorts of interview style podcasts. As the host you don't really have to think too hard or say too much and you just get to enjoy listening to other people's really amazing, fascinating journeys. So yeah, that has always been the thing for me and that's why you might notice if you go back to Junior Doctor's Corner, which I no longer produce any more episodes for now, but most of the episodes, like 95% of them are interviews rather than me you know, rambling on my own because I just love listening to people's stories and learning from them. The bits that I don't like so much, it's a bit weird because I do like it but hate it at the same time. So I hated editing. It was a one-woman show on Junior Doctor's Corner. I did everything A to Z on my own. And the bit that I didn't like about editing, and I always put it off, and that's the main reason why some of my podcast episodes would go up late because I would put off editing. It's just a tedious process. Like It it takes time. But funnily, when I actually – buckle down and do it, I actually really enjoy it because I actually get to relive the moment when I'm editing. Like I'm really immersed in the whole interview again. And it's like such a wonderful nostalgic experience, but it's really nice that, you know, we now have Pete and his wonderful team editing for us. Like it's quite nice to not have to spend that much time and energy on editing anymore.
2: Yeah. And I wonder what his experience is because he edits so many diverse, different sort of podcasts now, all under the Talking Health Tech brand. And It must be interesting for him. I just imagine him in his little dark room listening to all of these conversations, (laughs) probably having views about all of our skills in (laughs) podcasting, but that's okay. Pete's a lovely guy He wouldn't say anything to us. But, yeah, I mean, we actually, Elise and I were talking to somebody the other night. I don't know if you remember, Elise, who was also podcasting, another one of the CCIM members, and she was just saying how much she loved editing. It was like one of her favourite things to do and she's actually encouraging Elise to learn how to edit. Um, so I guess there are sort of probably, you know, things about both of whether it's recording or the editing that you can probably get some enjoyment out of. But yeah, I'm happy that we do have somebody that helps us with ours because there's a fair bit of work involved, I think. So I'm curious, like, obviously, you're very good, both of you now at being the interviewer and doing podcasting yourself. But I'm sure you both also listen to a lot of podcasts, so I'd be curious, Elise,
0: what's your favorite podcast? What do you like to listen to in your spare time? My podcast that I look forward to every week that I normally listen to the minute it drops, but now that I'm saying this, I've realized it's Thursday and I've not listened, is Shameless. I listen to Shameless every Thursday morning, usually, and then the Monday ones as well, but the Thursday one is my fave. And then... Other things that I listen to quite a lot of podcasts, I tend to just play them whenever I'm home doing cooking dinner or going for a walk or at the gym. The one I listened to recently that I really liked is called The Retrievals, which is the New York Times and Serial collab that follows the story of back in 2020, the IVF clinic at Yale had one of the nurses stealing fentanyl and replacing it with saline. So it is a five-part series, a quick one you can listen to of their stories and what went on behind all of that. Other things I listen to, I listen to a few businessy type things, How I Built This being my favorite one of those. I've always loved Modern Love, which is another New York Times one that's more romantic essays. People, they used to have them all read out by celebrities, which I did prefer to the current podcast format, but <laughs> it's still good. And I also really like Jewel leaper's At Your Service podcast. She interviews very interesting, broad guests. And then, of course, Pete's podcast, Talking Health Tech. He has a huge range and so many episodes to catch up on. You can find anyone, anything that you're interested in. You'll be able to find someone that Pete's talked to that fills that niche.
2: Yeah, I don't know how he keeps up with it. Dana, what's on your podcast list at the moment?
1: I wish I could name something really cerebral and intelligent, like listening to Andrew Huberman or, I don't know, uh, Harvard Business Review or something like that, but I don't. I actually listen to pretty non-medical podcasts. So I love Darknet Diaries. I don't know if you guys know much about that particular series, but it's basically someone who interviews a lot of cyber hackers and also some of their episodes are about people who do what we call social engineering. So they have to like infiltrate certain systems. Sometimes it's completely crime related and sometimes it's not because they're paid to run tests on the security for certain companies and things like that. So it becomes really fascinating because it almost feels like you're listening to some kind of CIA or MI6 mission, that kind of thing. But it's like real-life people who have actually lived these lives, so it's really fun. And then I I do enjoy a bit of Case File True Crime, even though it can give me the heebie-jeebies after I listen to it. And lastly, I really enjoy Seize the yay, who's a real. It was started by this entrepreneur in Melbourne who used to be a lawyer. And our topic of talking about going off the beaten track. She went from lawyer to entrepreneur, and she interviews like a really wide range of inspiring people, people who started businesses and things like that. That podcast has a lot of themes around um, finding joy and, and and bringing joy into your life. So that energizes me. There's a really exciting
2: list for everybody to um, go and explore. I always like to ask this question for people that I'm talking to in the creative careers in medicine community. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I still don't have the answer to this question. You're allowed to say you don't quite know, but it's always a good way to see, you know, that people are still figuring it out. So, Elise, you're going to be put on
0: the hot spot first. My answer would change to this every day. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a baker where well, I was choosing between being a pastry chef or doing medicine. And I think my dad said at the time, someone said to me, you can study medicine and be a doctor and bake on the side, but you cannot study pastry chefery. I don't know what that course is called, <laughs> pastry and then-, <laughs> and then practice medicine on the side. So I was like, all right, cool, off yeah. I go. Turns out I would have hated that because I really do not do well with getting up that early and also don't like baking anymore and also no. can't eat gluten anymore. So Aww. that would have just been really off track. In a really ideal world, someone would pay me to travel and like go to Pilates, go on a walk. Yeah. For quite a while, I wanted to be a getaway host. So that, oh, yes. that probably oh, feels that, that sort job. of niche. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of travel blogger, but I wouldn't want to have any of the commitments to actually posting all of the photos. Yeah, yeah. That's so fantastic because at least you're
2: thinking about your life and what's important for you and yeah. you trying to fit work around that. Dana, what do you want to be when you grow up?
1: I think I'm still trying to figure it out because I was like – I had sessions with um, Dr. Ash Coxon who's another member of the CCIM community who owns and runs medical career planning for a bit of career counselling and we were trying to figure out what I want to <laughs> be now that I've attained fellowship in GP. I'm just like – What's next? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I might have to come back to this question one day with a future episode. Hopefully something in leadership. Hopefully something that will create a very positive social impact. Don't know what exactly that looks like yet. I'm still searching, but hopefully I'll get there one day.
2: Yeah. And I figure if you know too much about or you think you know what you want to do, you don't always leave yourself open to all the things that can come left field that you have no idea will present themselves. So it's always good to have that sort of open mentality of the opportunity will land in your lap when you probably least expect it. But that has been so much fun. I just want people to know what's happening in CCAM. So obviously we've got some more incredible podcast episodes being released every week. Are we releasing them every week now at the moment, Elise? Yeah, weekly for the foreseeable future. That's very exciting. So make sure that you stay tuned and watch out for who the interesting guests are because there's a whole list of people that I think people will get a lot of value out of listening to. We also have the CCIM conference coming up in March 2024, so we officially booked a venue. So I think it's happening no matter what happens between now and March. At least Dana and I will be there and hopefully everyone else buys tickets and turns up as well. And we're very excited to be putting together the list of speakers for that event as we speak and lots more things happening, lots of get togethers. Um, We will keep trying to do lots of dinners and things in each city so people can meet each other in person. But we also have online events, which will keep happening and watch out on the job boards as well, because we've got new jobs coming up all the time. Anything else you want to add, Elise, to that list of things?
0: No, I think you've covered it all. But We're always here. We always want to hear from you. So any ideas that you have of what you want from CCIM, we'd love to hear as well.
2: Yeah, great. And any last pieces of advice for any of the CCIMers listening to this podcast, trying to navigate their careers? Dana? Just try. You miss
0: 100% of the shots you don't take. I love that quote. Elise? I think just talk to people. I think there's a lot of people that are out there thinking they're the only ones who are not wanting to do what they're currently doing, but talk to people, tell them what you're thinking, tell them what you're thinking about doing, and you never know where that might take you. And the Creative Careers in Medicine group is an amazing place to start, and you can even post anonymously if you don't feel comfortable enough owning up to all of that. But I definitely felt that before I I had a full-time clinical job And I was like, everyone's loving this. No one's saying anything otherwise. And then I quit and everyone came to me and said, oh, I've been thinking about it too. I'm not loving this. I've not liked the last six months. So just start, don't be afraid to talk about what you're thinking and feeling. Yeah, that's, I think, great advice.
2: And on that note, we might wrap up our conversation. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to Dana and Elise and talking all things CCIM and podcasting and i um, very excited to see who gets interviewed next um, and stay tuned for the next episodes. Thanks so much. Thanks,
0: Amandeep. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Creative Careers in Medicine podcast, a proud member of the Talking Health Tech podcast network. Visit the Creative Careers in Medicine website in the show notes this episode for more resources to help you find the courage, confidence and skills to take control of your career and forge your own unique path. The Creative Careers in Medicine podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, water and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders past, present and emerging.